0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope podcast. Today is another episode in our series entitled Kingdom Principles. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. Leading our study today is the senior pastor at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Well, I will endeavor to continue on
1: our Kingdom Principles series. I want to talk about a new principle, the principle of faith and what it is and how we can attain it, how that we can assimilate it, and how that we can utilize it. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, 1 through 6, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse six says this, and we quote this a lot, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I want to lay this foundation according to that text right there. If we want to be successful believers, we're not recognized by our outward uh, uh, traits and our attributes uh, such as the ability to look good in a suit or to preach a word or to sing a song. All those have their different anointings and blessings and et cetera. But to God, people attain and, and uh, uh, respond to that kind of thing. But to be a successful believer in God's eyes, we're not recognized by our physical size or our intellectual superiority, but by our unwavering faith in him. Somebody asked a question, and they, and you hear this. I know you've heard this. Um, it's all in your head, or you're doing things that it's just all in. You're, you're making it up. It's in your imagination. You're conjuring up an idea in your head. One thing's for certain with regards to salvation is that salvation is not all in your head. <laughs> No, no. seriously, you cannot pray all in your head. You can't just think that you're a good person all in your head. You have to put works with regards to what you're thinking. Your head, your brain, who you are is where things start. But really, James said, and I'm getting way ahead, James said to show our faith by our works and that really, in my words, it's a true testament to what faith is. sure. Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. So there are no actions or works we can do to earn or merit salvation. We know that. We've said that many times. And there's only a redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross that can save us. However, his redemptive work requires an action on our part. That action is faith. And we're going to talk about that, Jesus Christ made it very clear. The writers, when talking about Jesus, said it very clear, especially in the book of Hebrews, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith in the work of Christ on the cross is the only thing that can open the door to receive his redemptive inpouring of the Spirit. So James said 2 and 14, can faith save a person? Because James chapter 2 and 20, he said faith without works is dead. So to understand all of that, rebar in that foundation let's talk about what faith is and let's define it all right sure. i believe hebrews 11 provides us a commonly referenced scriptural definition of faith however christians have found it difficult to fully understand the idea of that definition and here's why they do this because they think that faith is accepting as true what god has said and his word is true yes But they make that as their jumping off point. In other words, if their faith were concrete entity, it's much easier or it would be much easier to isolate and define it. But because faith is an abstract thing, it's harder to define what truly is what faith is, how much is faith, how much faith is needed to see God move. So if faith were a feather... As an example, we can not only see it, but we can also touch it. We can take a picture of the feather. And we can do many other things that one can do with something that is tangible. Sure. However, faith is not tangible. It's not something that we can see or touch, as we know in an age of doubt that we live in our culture. Oh, yeah. When people are questioning and rejecting even the absolutes of yesterday, and, it's, and no matter how much we know it is truth, it's vital that our spiritual existence not only know about faith and the viability, the viability of faith, that we need to possess faith. Again, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I've heard somebody say this. I'm not going to get into this. I think it's interesting. I think it'll I think it'll preach 15 different ways. They'll talk about now faith as now being the time frame. Right now faith, as it were, is the substance of things for. And I think that's all good and that's right. But I think because that's all good and it's right, it could be right and it could be wrong. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Faith is so indefinable. It's not just, it doesn't have barriers. In fact, I believe faith can go on and on. Uh, I'd love to digress here, but I'll just say this. I believe somebody's faith, even when they pass from this life, faith can continue to do work.
0: What? No, that's true.
1: I do believe it's true.
0: That's true in my life. I mean, one of the... the one of the biggest reasons that we've come to the Lord is through my wife's father. Yes. You know, he and his wife were steadfast in their living it and steadfast in their prayers for us. And we we acknowledge that and we honor that so much that it's almost the first thing that I think of when I think of them and the first thing that I tell people when— when I'm discussing them, you know, when I uh, I, I actually did his eulogy mm-hmm. and uh, the example that I gave was that he was, a, he was a pebble that was thrown into a pond. Very good. You know, and he created all of these ripples and we were fortunate enough to be one of those ripples. Right. So your faith, it, it almost becomes your lineage almost. Yes. Uh, but it's definitely still changing my life today. And he's been gone for three years. Yeah.
1: This is, here's a tweet. Here's somebody you can tweet this line. Faith has a shelf life. It continues on. That's how powerful faith is. For you see when a person, and that's excellent. You just took the words, the analogy was, that's exactly right. When a person believes that, that substance as it were, what he sees with the eyes of faith, it becomes the evidence, the proof of the object of faith. Yes. And so when a person has faith, They not only envision the answer, but they rejoice over the answer even before it comes. And so the rejoicing is similar to what Jesus was commanding in Matthew 5 and 12. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So Jesus was telling those disciples to rejoice over something they had not even yet experienced. It was still something still in the future. And so yet when faith is authentic there can be rejoicing over the outcome as though it had already happened. And thus, that is the A and the Z to faith. But yet it still has an etherealness on understanding, if that's a, if that's a word that we can use here. <laughs> I'd like to give you a little bit deeper understanding of faith according to what I think it is. Faith doesn't cause anyone to be passive. Let's establish that. That's true. When we believe, faith precipitates an action, Steve. You can equate it in every phase of your life. If you believe it, you'll have a greater propensity to, number one, do it, yep. and number two, achieve it. I mean, that's just in every phase of your life. If you believe you can lose that 10 pounds... And you want to lose it in such a way that you will do it and you will achieve. I know that's a terrible analogy. It's an easy analogy because it seems like everybody's needing to lose weight, whatever it is. Everybody's on a perpetual mm-hmm. diet of some sort. Maybe not you, Steve. Oh, no, I am. Oh, well, see, there you go. So, yeah, always. All right. But biblically speaking, our action, or rather I should say our reaction, causes us to, to then obey God. So I believe what Romans 6 and 26 references as the obedience of faith. You can't be obedient to faith if all the faith is is in your mind and you never act upon it. True. So Paul wrote it. You've got to have some obedience to faith. And you know what faith is sometimes? Faith is something that even, no, no, not something. Most likely it's 100% out of 100, something that you can't see. It's all about faith, believing. You can't manifest, you can't, you can't show God if you don't believe God can touch him. Yeah. <clears throat> well, again, I'm not going to get into all that. But I want to say this. It's impossible to love without manifesting that love. It's impossible to have faith in God without manifesting that faith through obedience to him and his word. And I'm going to drop a duh statement in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. If you want God, you'll pursue him. So, faith and works or faith and obedience are tandem. That's why we, as humanity, don't have any patience for people that want to help themselves, but yet they will not. Right? Because they're not willing to have faith in themselves yeah. enough to cause them to have action. Is that true?
0: That is true.
1: So, attempting to separate faith and works or faith and obedience, they're tandem, hand in glove. You can't do that. Faith has to have works. O- faith has to have obedience, period, In the discussion. It's like night has to have a day and day has to have a night. They're, they're, pardon me, they're the Siamese twins of spiritual service and understanding. Yeah, I mean, one is the definition of the other. I mean, you can't have you one can't. without the other. Right. And I believe the offspring of faith, that's why I watch people as pastor, when their worship doesn't happen, then I'm thinking, oh, they've lost some faith somewhere. Worship is the natural response to faith. A person can't have a measure of faith without responding to God, both in obedience and in their worship. If there's genuine faith, there's also going to be worship. Oh yeah. So worship is a natural, normal response to faith, but one that God commands. Many scriptures command us to worship God and we have no other choice but to believe him and who he is. All right. So I hope that gives us a greater, a deeper appreciation for what faith is. I want to give you uh, at least three things before we wrap uh, today. I, I don't know how long we want to do this, this particular episode, but five things faith does in a believer. Okay. All right. Number one, the number one, in my opinion, above all, it pleases God. I've already read it. I'll read it again. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Point blank. God wants us to believe in him. We can't have any relationship if we don't believe he exists, right? It can't go anywhere if you don't believe that. I know that's another dust statement, but let's <laughs> let's just say it. And that's the problem with our culture because we have we have exited God out of our schools. We have exited God out of our uh uh mainstream thought processes. Mm-hmm. And generations that are raising up now when I grew up in the the 80s, the 70s and 80s I uh, I knew what going to church was about, whether I whether I had a home church or not. I just knew whether I was a bus kid or not. I knew that people go to
0: church. Yep, it's not like that now. It is definitely not.
1: And uh, I believe, obviously, the the devices of the devil he has planned this from the beginning. And so, our culture we have people that really don't know. They may have heard it passive, passively or in a passing fashion. They really don't know that Jesus loves them and that Jesus has an intention, a good intention for them because they've not had God in their lives. And so we are raising a generation, and I'm not picking on our generation, I'm talking by and large, and this is an umbrella statement, that our generations behind us are now, they've lived in a day to where church is not number one, God's not number one, and thus people don't believe in God. Now, I know I just spent a few minutes on that, but the point is you've got to believe him. You've got to believe that he exists before any of this happens. And what does that come from? Faith. Humanity. We often feel pressure to please our peers and the onlookers of our lives, but God is the one that we need to have to to be pleased with us. Yes. You ready? Pleasing peers may mean personal advancement, but pleasing God means personal acceptance. You can have the personal peer support and it doesn't give you that acceptance that you really need. That doesn't fill that hole in your heart. But when God is pleased, it gives you that personal satisfaction. Galatians 1 and 10 says, for, I do, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So here it is. A person who wants something from God may say, please, God. But the way to receive from God is not through begging, but rather to please him. I love when I see my daughter do things that I've tried to her or her mother, my, her mother or I have tried to teach her. Oh, yeah. And uh, I didn't have to tell her, but she's doing right. And it just makes me 10 feet tall, makes me feel like I'm the dad of the year. When she does things that just makes me proud and I don't have to tell her. That pleased. Sure. She pleased her father. And at that moment, she doesn't have to beg me for anything. (laughs) She can say, Daddy, I want them 10 chocolate chip cookies. And I'm going to go. Here's 11. How about 11?
0: (laughs) Well, and it's good because that pleases both sides. She's happy. Come on. You're happy. It's just a. Again, it's what we're wired to do. Yes.
1: So when a parent and and if you're a parent out there, you can understand what I'm talking about. When a child pleases their parent, that parent is more inclined to reward the child with the things he desires, and you
0: never have to beg. Yeah. So my example for that is, uh, you know, I have a 13 year old. Sure. It's so sweet, but 13. Yes. And uh, there are some challenges with her room, as you would imagine. <laughs> And uh, she's uh, she runs a little cold. Shout out to Olivia out there. Yeah. She runs a little cold, and she has an electric blanket, and it went out. And it's been cold here lately, you yeah. know. And so I made the decision. I, I bought her another electric blanket. And uh, I took it upstairs, and I had it behind my back. And my intention was to say, once this room is clean, you can have this electric blanket. <laughs> Because normally for her, the cleaning is a two to three day process. Uh, certainly, it's many steps, it's many breaks. There's right. charts and graphs, right? But I walked in, and the room was already clean. And nice. so there was no fanfare. I just, nice. well, I guess you can have this now. But
1: it take the wind out of your sails of the fun. though. I mean, a little bit, because
0: <laughs> I do like to mess with her. I mean, thankfully uh, the Lord doesn't do that to me. But uh, right. <laughs> Oh, but I was, it was such, I was so pleased with that. And I can only imagine how God in heaven feels every time, every time we we do something that's a response. Right.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Makes him a proud daddy. Yes. So again, let's establish it. Faith pleases God. Yes. He wants us to believe the things that he's promised in his word. Nothing irritates individuals more than not being believed. I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. And I can present all the facts, and they still say, well, that's your opinion. (laughs) Okay. It makes others feel that you are viewed when somebody doesn't believe you, I should say. I should uh, contextualize this. When somebody doesn't believe you, it makes you feel as untruthful and untrustworthy, even though you know you're telling the truth. Sure. Sure. But on the other hand, with what I'm trying to say is that when we believe God, we're saying, I believe God that you are trustworthy and truthful, and that faith pleases God. So, number one, what faith does in us, does in the believer, is that it pleases God. Number two is that it saves individuals. Yes. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved. Ready? Through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So, to all of those that believe that salvation is a one time thing, I would just like to caution you and educate you, lovingly, of course, mm-hmm. that salvation is a process. Mm-hmm. Matthew 24 and 13 says, He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So, one single act of faith doesn't it doesn't give you eternal salvation. In other words, just going to church one time is not enough, right? It's the same thing on a larger scale, is that just a single act of faith is not enough. But a relationship that begins with faith, it initiates obedience to the gospel and redemption. So if you want to have faith, you want to please God, you want to be saved, then you need to start a relationship with him. Yes, You can't have it... I know about it. You know, a basketball fan. I'm a basketball fan. Um, grudgingly, I believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest ever. Uh, not a Bulls fan for the, for those of you out there. Those of you that know me know that when he was tearing through the league, it just drove me crazy, especially <laughs> for my Pacers. However, Michael Jordan was the greatest ever, and I know where he where he was raised. I know where high school that he went to because he's the greatest. Mm -hmm. I know what he did in his exploits in his career. I know everything about Michael Jordan as far as that goes. That doesn't mean I know him. I know about him. And people treat God as though they may know Scripture because of some things and recognize that he's the greatest, but they really only know about him. And the difference is we need to know him. Right? That's why he said the sheep know my voice. So salvation is a process, and uh, one single act of faith is not salvific, is the word. So faith is so basic to that salvation process that one can liken it to the door of salvation. And so individuals who would make the door the equivalent of the whole house is wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can open a door, step through, and if there's no house, all you've done is crossed a threshold, but you didn't <laughs> get, you're you not protected. Obviously, that's silly, but think about this. Faith is the door from which one must enter the house of salvation. Otherwise, without faith, a person can't even get through the door into the house. That's pretty simple. All right, and final, uh, the third of five in this lesson. We're going to leave you on a cliffhanger here. The third thing it does is that it sanctifies the a believer. Philippians three and nine says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the through the faith of Christ, their righteousness which is of God by faith. And so faith, Steve, accomplishes much more than people really think, in that someone, when they mention faith, others think of its involvement in divine healing or miracles or etc They only faith in those kinds of settings. But I believe that faith also works to enable sanctification in us, the believers, because the word sanctify means to make holy or to set aside as holy. So Philippians 3 and 9, the scripture that I just read, reveals that we're sanctified or we're made, we are made righteous by faith. So if we could have nothing from God related to salvation apart from faith, period, in the discussion. And so lastly I will say this Sanctification is a necessary work for the grace of God. It's necessary for we're not able. We can't do anything of ourselves. With all of our disciplines, we can't do anything to make ourselves holy. Isaiah six and 4, 64 rather and six says, But we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Mm. So if we're to have the righteousness of the Lord, we need to be sanctified, we need to be holy, we need to be conscientious and intentional on living a life that pleases Him in righteousness and holiness. And this only comes about by faith.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, thank you for that. Uh, That's all the time we have for this study today. I pray this was a blessing for you and that you'll join us as we continue to study the kingdom principles and study God's word. Please follow us on our various platforms so that you won't miss an episode of this exciting series. Thank you for listening.